We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Report. We're here with Neil Dudden. He's a writer at RotoViz. Also, you can find his work at Numberfire, 444, and Roto Underworld. Uh, Neil, how's it going? As an Eagles fan, it's going absolutely swimmingly. The, the, plot, <laughs> the plot to make the team as unwatchable as possible is right on track. And, you know, it's, it just gets better with every single week. Yeah, it's um, so. Just for those who know, we're actually recording just a little bit earlier than we typically do. So these games, uh, the the PM games, are still ongoing, which is which is all well and good. But yeah, to, to Neil's point, the uh, the Eagles are pretty much unwatchable until you get to the fifth minute, uh, five minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. That's when they somehow fall about uh, seven points or so short of uh, actually being uh, you know winning the game, but they haven't been competitive throughout. Neil, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's just weird. It, there was a philosophy I remember about golf that Leslie Nielsen, uh, the great comedian, did say that shoot your second shot first, which is like a mental thing of the first shot must have been terrible, so just tell yourself you're playing your second one. If they could just somehow tell Jalen Hurts there's five minutes left in this game from <laughs> the first play, then the Eagles would be an unstoppable juggernaut. Unfortunately, they have... I say fifty-five minutes of unwatchable garbage, and uh, and then it just it just all looks it it just it it just looks bad. I mean, Jalen Hurts could start the game on minus sixty points, and you know he's going to give you twenty points. But the difference between the fantasy player and the actual player is an it's an insurmountable chasm that I just do not think he can broach. Yeah, it's not like Russell Wilson, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, where like they need Russ to bail them out, but like. Five minutes remaining, and then Russ typically tends to do that. Uh, with with Jalen Hurst, there's a lot of uh, garbage time production that looks very, very good uh, after the fact. Uh, whereas in the moment, it looks it's it's genuinely terrible to watch. He's um, uh, you know missing players left and right. Um, but before we get into the rest of the show, Neil, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Miles Sanders really like I couldn't tell if it was a knee injury or an ankle injury, but it looks severe. He was in tears as he was being carted off um, here. Uh, you know, I was just curious, where do you think the Eagles are going to go here uh, for the rest of the season? Is it Boston, the back to the Boston Scott show? Has Kenny Gainwell shown enough for you to trust him? 
you know, are either guys going to be viable plug and play RB twos going forward? Well, the worry thing is that over the last two weeks, Sanders has averaged six touches a game. And after the first two drives today, he had seven touches. So clearly he he wasn't used to the workload. And mm-hmm. that's why he got hurt. Um, but no, the Eagles have shown that they just don't want to run the ball. Now, it's whether it, this comes on high from Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, whether it's something Nick Sirianni wants to do, they're just not all about that. They're just not about that life. They don't want to do it. So... I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and reunited, you know, with Jordan Howard because he was there last two years. Um, mm-hmm. He's not great, but he, you know, that that wonderful thing that if you're not great, at least you know the system uh, and that can cover up a you know a boatload of sins. Apparently, the, the, I don't <laughs> think Scott or Gainwell are going to be going to get enough opportunities to be people you'll be falling over yourself to get in your lineup because, to be honest, most weeks. I was struggling. I've got Miles Sanders on a lot of my rosters, and there was weeks over the last few weeks where I've been thinking, it's just not worth it. I may as well, I can either just leave him in or put put an inactive player in and have the same kind of experience going for me. So I I think it will be Gainwell and Scott will probably split some work, but I expect some other clown to come in and steal some snaps that no one really cares about. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, Gainwell... He got a touchdown today, and he so far has eight targets. So eight targets. If they, you know, if Gainwell and Scott are going to be splitting work, you know, maybe Gainwell is someone who you can feel pretty comfortable starting in PPR leagues if he's going to end up getting those uh, those receptions. That would be a pretty valuable role, even even if he doesn't necessarily uh, get more than five carries a game. You can probably live with that. Yeah, I mean, on a lot of my teams, I could live with that. <laughs> I think I was talking about this with Connor Driscoll last week, or was it? Uh, and it was sort of where we were talking, discussing Kenny Gainwell, and sort of how it's feast or famine between him or Rager, right? Like the Rager's targets come at the expense of Gainwell's, Gainwell's, and vice versa. Um, Neil, as, as as someone who's been grinding the tape on the Eagles, what are your thoughts on that? I think Jalen Rager is. It's one of those that he's always going to be unfairly labeled because of the player who was taken after him. You know, that Justin Jefferson, obviously, early days, but Justin Jefferson looks like he's actually quite good, whereas Jalen Rager does not. Uh, Jalen Rager got a touchdown today. He caught one in week one. I think I saw a stat, and I'm sure this is still valid, in the first quarter of his NFL debut in 2020, Jalen Rager caught a 55-yard pass from Carson Wentz. He has not had more than 55 yards in a single game since. Now, it, feels, it feels right to me. It feels right. It's, that's, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm no expert. I don't claim to be, but I don't think that's very good for a first-round <laughs> pick in an age where it's never been easier to pass the ball. So I just don't, I just, I'm, I don't like saying the word bust because, you know, it's, it's you know these are highly trained professional athletes you know playing at the peak of their physical powers but he's a bust and um you know <laughs> I'd much rather the Eagles were funneling targets to you know Devonta Smith Dallas Goddard even Quez Watkins because Jalen Jalen Rager has this Ted Ginn like ability that if he does catch the ball he wants to get out of bounds rather than make someone miss which is it's a charming and you know a, a charming and endearable trait. But try and get some more yards, please, Jalen. Just, just, just—you know—that's that, that's how I would like you to roll personally. 
Yeah, this is a conversation we've had quite a bit on this show, actually, with Rager. And I don't know if you play a lot of Dynasty, Neil, but if you if you own Rager on any Dynasty teams, I mean, what are you what are you doing with him now? Are you just kind of holding until his value goes to zero? Or are you trying to get something for him? I'm trying to get something for him, but it's it's really hard because annoyingly, the people that I play with in my Dynasty leagues where I own Rayner, they're not idiots, which yeah. would be a lot easier <laughs> if they were. So it's. <laughs> I, I can try and spin a you know a nice tale about many things, but there is it's very very hard for me to convince these people that like, what am I trying to say to him? Where oh it's me I've been holding him back. As soon as he's on someone else's roster, the Eagles will realise he's a better player, and they'll look at me, and that's when the, the conversation ends. So it's <laughs> it's he's not a player that I would advocate people going out and acquiring. He's not really a player. I'm looking at um, the rosters that he's on. And because they're terrible rosters, because I'm an awful dynasty player, it's not like there's. I could have, I should have started him instead of Rager. It's literally, I started Rager. I have nothing else. Everything sucks and it hurts, and my life has no meaning. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I kind of feel the pain there, if only because this is very reminiscent of uh, Corey Davis pre AJ Brown, right? Like, we wanted Corey Davis to be a thing, and he wasn't. And then when you see A.J. Brown come in, and he's just making massive, massive plays, it feels like, well, that's what Devonta Smith has been doing, right? Like, like Devonta Smith, the low BMI, kind of one-hit wonder season type of guy, shows up, and he looks like a grown-ass man in the NFL today, right? And it's just like, there is a skill gap difference between some of these guys, and it's, 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 a, it's a real bummer because like Rager is losing losing targets to a fifth round draft pick at the running back position that is not not a good sign and I really don't know what it would take to move him like honestly like it might actually just have to be a third but at that point you're just better off holding unfortunately it always it just reminds me that one of my favorite stories about the early days of the New England Patriots when they were inept, because it's always a nice thing to hark back to for people who've only ever known them as a powerhouse. One of their first ever draft picks finished out his contract working in their ticket office. That's how bad he was. <laughs> I'm not saying I want Rager to be clipping tickets and searching people as they make their way into the link, but I'm also not saying that's not what I want. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because yeah, because uh, that should be JJ Ortega Whiteside, right? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, another second round pick for someone who great contested catch receiver. Yeah, that means he can't get open. Yeah, <laughs> basically, it, oh, he, he, look at him fight for these catches. Yeah, because he can't get open. That's that's not a transferable skill, surely. It does feel like, a, and this is, I'm sorry we're going so long on the Eagles, but it does feel like this is like a really big miss opportunity from them from a few years ago when uh, the Cowboys paid up for Amari Cooper and the Eagles could have had him for a similar price. Uh, if only, and they just sort of outsmarted themselves because, and, and everyone at the time said that this was the right move for them to make. Like, but the issue there is, they're not very good at using their draft draft picks. Like, like what does it matter when you're like throwing away all this all this early draft capital on garbage? Yeah, see, this is the big problem. That everyone's saying that you know at the moment the Eagles are on course to have three top ten draft picks. Yeah, but they'll spaff them up the wall. So yeah, <laughs> may as well not have them. 
It's you know, it's the you know, the, you look at how many draft first round picks the Raiders have had over the last few years that they've been excited about when they've acquired them and literally have sold them for a bag of beans. You know, it's so what you may as well not have them if you're going to let <laughs> Howie Roseman pick the, the players. Uh, yeah, uh, I want to move on to another another game that was probably disappointing for a lot of people. Um, if you you know if you were starting Mahomes or Tyreek Hill or anyone, uh, the Titans put up a lot of points though. AJ Brown caught eight of nine targets for 133 yards and a touchdown. Um, I guess my question is not even about AJ Brown, but just uh, back to the Chiefs. How worried are you about about this performance for them? I think you have to start being worried now because it's got beyond the, oh, they'll be okay. They've got Patrick Mahomes and it's Andy Reid. They'll be fine. Now it's like, yeah, they would have been fine last year and the year before when it was Reid, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, and a middling defense. This defense is not middling. It is historically bad. So that they the offense has to be perfect. And unfortunately, it's looking like Patrick Mahomes is trying to be perfect on every play which is why he keeps throwing these back-breaking and bewildering interceptions. I mean, the way they were turning the ball over last week, I was thinking, you're doing this on purpose. <laughs> you, you must have meant that. Um, so they, they just look a shambles today against you know that fearsome pass rush that we know the Tennessee Titans don't have, but somehow <laughs> they managed to find it today against the Chiefs. So I am concerned because... The rest of that division, the Chargers, obviously, last week, they had a bad game. That may look at that as a blip, but they look strong. The Raiders don't look as if they're going away. The Broncos do, so forget about them. But all of a sudden, that comp, that division looks very tough. And it's now a chance. It's not the Chiefs. Have they banked enough goodwill that people will still think they'll be fine? They'll get, they'll get a playoff spot, but they probably won't get the number one seed. Or do people start looking and thinking, they're not making the playoffs if they keep playing like this. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's confusing, to be honest, to see uh, to see Mahomes putting up these kinds of stat lines and see, you know, I mean, Kelsey was getting targets. Hill was getting targets. They're, they're, it's not like they're going away from their best players, you know, but... Um, yeah, I don't I don't even have an explanation for this, but uh I think if I'm you know, if I've got all my all my chips in on this team, I'm just kind of hoping that they can figure out a way to to turn it around from here cuz there's not really much you can do. It's not like you're going to go and, you know, trade Travis Kelsey for some lesser tight end or something. Right? Uh no, you I mean you can't, right? Like you kind of you kind of pot committed. And he's like a big it's a bit disturbing that like Brandon Pringle, Byron Pringle, sorry. I should actually mm-hmm. know his name. I, I I doubted him. Uh is is is, is doing particularly <laughs> he was the best receiver today. Like what on like what on earth? Um and Jarek McKinnon is getting a lot of work. I think it kind of goes back to the CEH pick, right? They didn't need <laughs> a running back there. They needed someone on either on the old line, they need an impact player the, anywhere that was not the running game because they're doing fine with Darrell Williams and Damian Williams and Jarek McKinnon. And it just, I don't know. Like I'm worried it's about a, Michael Hartman. I'm not worried about him. He's just not very good. 
the worry would be built in if it was this is like a player who we've seen be a superstar all of a sudden has had a downturn in form this is unfortunately who he is he's nothing he's a good kick returner probably a good punt punt returner as well but in terms of being an NFL wide receiver he's just not very good and you know they drafted him thinking at the time "Mm, if we have troubles with Tyreek Hill we'll slot him in well then the troubles went away um, he says, and they just decided, oh, we've got him. Should we develop him? Nah, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. We'll never need him. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not particularly. It, I mean, it's not great, right? And like and like, Mahomes took a really really nasty hit that kept him out of the fourth quarter. Really disturbing. Um, and even more disturbing was that he cleared the protocol. Like, if if he passed the concussion protocol, and, you know, I say I don't know what it is. I've never administered. I've never had. Well, I have had a concussion, but it wasn't as serious as this, this one. If he has passed that as quickly as he did after the level of hit he got, there is no better argument for the fact that the concussion protocol during the game is an absolute waste of time because it was a horrible hit. His head got banged backwards by I think it was um, Harold Landry's knee. He didn't look like he knew where the the, the game was. And to come out, Big Red comes out afterwards and says, oh, no, no, he passed the protocol. It was my decision to keep him out. Well, A, thank you for that, Big Red. Someone needs to protect these players from themselves. But B, if he's passed the protocol, no, I'm terribly sorry. The protocol's not fit for purpose. Not yeah. a chance in hell he should be allowed back in. Yeah, and it didn't look like it was uh, malicious intent either. It looked like an accidental knee mm. to the back. of the, like the worst. This is like the worst type of injury. Um, just a just a real, just really, I mean, really disturbing on, on on that side. Like, I think real, like week seven is where we're gonna look back. Uh, at I mean, the wheels have been like, there's been a lot of concern about the Chiefs, but this is where it really is make or break. Like, this is where you're gonna have to. I mean, you're just gonna be stuck starting Hill. You're gonna be stuck starting Kelsey. You could probably bench everybody else from here on out. And honestly, they we're probably in. Um, Streaming street like Mahomes is just not going to pay off his like lofty ADP. You're 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 probably part committed to starting him, but uh, I don't think it's going to be much this season. There's going to be more volatile than you expected with the, what the prices you had to pay for them. I think. If the, the good thing that I know a lot of people were hoping, he says, someone who was starting Mahomes and Hill today against the Titans, thinking it's okay, I've avoided the bipocalypse, I'll be fine. Mm. Um, was that once they went 24 points down, you're thinking, here, give me some of that sweet, sweet garbage time. And then it never came. So it was, nope. it just looked like the t- the Super Bowl again. Where, and the last time I checked, the Titans defensive line is nowhere near as good as the Bucks, but it looked like it today. So you can't mm. get the garbage time when <laughs> you haven't got time to, you know, to make, to make the passes or whatnot. So it was, dis- it was disappointing. And it's, as I say, it's a theme this isn't a blip. This is this is more. This is the Chiefs we've seen all season now. So it now it has to be a case of well, you're going to have to do something different because it's not working. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what they can do. But on the bright side, we got to see um, AJ Brown, who's back. He looked really good today. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a tough <laughs> half of the season for AJ Brown. Um, and capped off with some bad Chipotle from last week. Well, today he um, really, really uh, 
took whatever the defense was that the Kansas City Chiefs put out there and just took them. They took out, took them to the cleaners, man. Like he had like a you know 130, 133 yards in a TD. You know, is AJ Brown back in your in your opinion? Like, is this it? We're back. See, this is a problem, isn't it? Because, like I say, we, no one should get too excited about the Patriots winning because they were only playing the Chiefs. Likewise, we shouldn't get too excited about AJ Brown's numbers because while it's great to see, you know, the efficiency, you know, he caught eight of nine, 130-odd targets and 138 yards, sorry, and a touchdown, it was against the Chiefs. And, you know, the Chiefs haven't been able to stop anything or anyone all season. So it was encouraging signs. But given how his season has gone, I'd like to see him do it again before I'm fully ready to jump back on. But because in one of my main team, one of my main leagues, I have Antonio Brown and AJ Brown. And for the last few weeks, I've been sitting AJ and starting Antonio and not feeling bad about this decision at all. Morally, I feel repugnant. But in terms of, <laughs> in terms of fancy production, I've not been, I've not regretted it. Well, I want to see another week of AJ doing AJ things before I'm ready to say, yeah, that's fine. I need to drop someone else so I can start them both. But that's just me. I'm just overly cautious with you know these people I take early who don't do anything for the first five or six weeks of a season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was an interesting game because you, you saw AJ Brown having this big game and you still saw Derrick Henry getting almost 30 carries. I mean, it's not surprising, obviously, when they're ahead by... You know, when they win the game by 24, but um, Julio Jones, I think there was some question about whether he was going to play. He did end up playing, only had four targets. I guess when he's fully healthy, um, how much of a how much of a wrench does his presence really throw into this offense? If you're someone who, you know, is looking forward to when you can start A.J. Brown confidently. I think it's a problem because I don't want to say that Julio was going to put a cap on AJ Brown because this isn't AJ Brown historically has not been a target monster anyway for the Titans so it's just a question of does Julio hoover up all the other targets while AJ takes the bulk of them and then if should anything you know god willing anything happens to AJ Brown does Julio then see his work ramp up but we know what the Titans want to do they want to run the ball 30 40 times a game and trust Tannehill to just be efficient and careful with the ball so it's tough to get too excited about any of them. But you do know that from the past that A.J. Brown has been ridiculously efficient on small workloads, whereas Julio, as he gets older, probably needs more the volume to get home whereas you know, than, than he has done in the past. But it's, it's, just, it's tough to get too excited about either of them if the Titans keep winning in the way they are winning because we've seen... They just want to run the ball. Yeah, they're also giving just random guys like targets from he, Michael Pruitt is now a pretty important part of the offense, apparently. <laughs> um, uh, uh, they got Darren Evans, who is back, and he actually, I do not believe he didn't get hurt. So that's two targets you can carve out there. McNichols is still getting some work. Jeff, Jeff Swaim has, has emerged here, apparently, and he's good for three targets a game. So, yeah, it's, it's like, kind of like you said, it's just a bit of a concern when you got all these, like 40% of their targets are going to just random human beings who happen to wear a Titans uniform. Mm. We, we can't say with, with, <laughs> with any degree of certainty that they aren't just people who want to raffle uh, to play a snap and, you know, they get a target when, when they come on. 
Because <laughs> I, I've tried looking. This Jeff Swain, he doesn't exist. He's not a real person. It's like Michael Knight. You know, it's a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. But we see him in a stat sheet every week, and it's like, I, you're not real. Stop stop making up these stats. You're not real. Throw the ball to Ferkser or Julio or AJ Brown or run it. Stop with these meaningless three yard for three passes for three yards to these people who don't exist. Yeah, it's something called a uh, called a uh, Marcus. It's, yes, it's Marcus Johnson. He got a target today. Like like, like like this is like the weirdest spread out offense of guys who you don't know what they do. Yet they're yet they're getting work. They're the primary reads on plays where you would assume an actual NFL player would be targeted. They, they, they must have just, it's a, you know, an adult version of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That's the only thing I can think of. Connor has an interesting question. Is are droppable? Oh, God, yes. Even, yeah. Yeah, even as someone who spends an unhealthy amount of time thinking and drawing and writing about tight ends as I do, there's no reason at all for you to be starting Anthony Ferguson. Um, he he hasn't he is that rare thing this year of he's a random tight end who hasn't even had one random productive fantasy day. So I, I, I don't think I don't think you, I mean for God's sake, as we all predicted, you know, Dalton Schultz has become a, a fantasy focus again, but Anthony Ferguson can't get his. No, I don't I don't think you need Anthony Ferguson in your lineup. Yeah, and Dawson <laughs> Knox took over. Ah, uh, big Dawson. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One guy that I do want to get extremely excited about, Jamar Chase caught eight of 10 targets for 201 yards and a touchdown. Are we talking best wide receiver since Calvin Johnson or since Jerry Rice? Uh, I think Don Hudson myself. We'll go all the way back. He's it's. He's the poster boy for preseason really doesn't matter. Yeah. 
Why do we care? I know why we care, because we've got nothing else to talk about. <laughs> our, our lives are so empty that we just have to focus on what little bit of football there is, and that's pre-season, that's training camp, that's OTAs, that's mini-camp, that's whatnot. He was dropping the ball, apparently. Yeah, he hasn't played. Uh, it's a different. He's learning a different game. He's a 21-year-old kid, but it doesn't matter. This is when we want him to be dropping the ball. He's just been incredible, and he was 82-yard touchdown today, and he put two Ravens defenders you know, in an absolute blender. And the Ravens secondary is very good. So these aren't just, you know, these aren't you know, mid-card jobbers or people who will be working in insurance in two weeks' time. These are top-level cornerbacks, and he made them look stupid. It was great to see. I mean, it was, it was quite weird because at one point it was... The, the Bengals were up like 20-odd points on the Ravens and Ryan Tannehill threw an interception. So I was thinking, oh my God, it's 2014 again. You know, the Ravens are re- the Bengals are relevant and Ryan Tannehill's playing like crap. So it's back. we're travelling back in time. So it's good to see the Bengals look good. And But it was a surprising result because at the, the Ravens were up at one point but never looked in control. Whereas the Bengals looked professional, they looked efficient, and they looked downright nasty at times as well. So that's always good to see. Uh, the, the Bengals actually looked really, really good after they decided that this uh, Joe Mixon thing is not happening, right? Like, they just decided that this is not going to happen. He had, like, 12 carries today for 59 yards, and he had a score. But they just stopped using him in the receiving game. They just have a very condensed target tree. And it was Jamar Chase... T. Higgins, who looked really bad today, Tyler Boyd, who looked even worse, and C.J. Uzoma, who just went off. Like, I, I like <laughs> caught all three of his targets for 91 yards and two scores. That's ludicrous. Well, I'm, you know, I don't like to blow my own trumpet, because if I did, I'd never leave the house. But um, <laughs> one of the tight end streamers I did suggest this week was C.J. Uzoma. The Ravens have been particularly weak against tight ends going into week seven, and it continued again. Didn't get a boatload of work. I think he only had like five targets or so, but he found the end zone twice, 90-odd uh, receiving yards. So, yay for me. Uh, but he's one of those players that he's not going to put up the numbers, but the tight end position being what it is, he'll make enough of a nuisance of himself that you'll always think, I could get away with starting him this week. Yeah, it's... Just you just gotta I don't know man you just gotta throw throw it like just just prayers up with with the tight end slotted unless you have like one of the handful of really good ones and and speaking of uh, really good ones I, I wanted to talk about this guy was uh, Kyle Pitts you know he caught seven of his eight targets for 163 yards uh, you know has he like usurped Calvin Ridley in the in the pecking order it looks like it. Because as well, not only is he getting the targets, he's also doing more with them. I mean, going into today's game, Kyle Pitt, uh, sorry, Calvin Ridley was averaging 6.1 yards per target. 87 wide receivers were averaging more. That's a bit of a problem for someone who, you know, last year got by on copious volume, on loads of red zone targets and deep shots. Well, if you're not going to catch him, you're pretty much pointless. So as Kyle Pitts today, on their game-winning drive, he had one catch where he was wide open. So hats off to the Dolphins for that. But then they overcompensated and double-covered him the next play 
and he caught that as well. So it's like, okay, what are we supposed to do here? You know, where do we go here now? They couldn't stop him. I'm not saying the Dolphins are a particularly good defense because they're not. They're one of the more disappointing units, other than the Eagles, all season. But Kyle Pitts, over the last two weeks, when they've played two ordinary teams, obviously the Jets and the Dolphins, he's looked like the unicorn he was supposed to be. And I think he's now on pace, and I know on pace statistics are a bit pointless because they're not going to be playing the same games they've just played. Obviously, every game is different, but he is on pace to shatter Mike Ditka's rookie record for receiving yards. And just in case anyone's in any doubt as to how significant that is, this record has stood for 60 years. So, you know, he just he looks the part. Was he a good draft pick? Should they have used the fourth overall pick on a tight end? God, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. But the fact is, they did. He's here now, and he is producing. Yeah, I mean, just to go back to the other guy, Jamar Chase, the other, the other wide receiver, basically, who's, like, tearing it up. I think he's on pace for, like, 1,900 receiving yards, which is ridiculous. Well, I'm I'm not gonna say it's ridiculous because he might he might get there. Like he's <laughs> he's he's lighting it up, man. Like he is he's he's really good. But like it's good to see Pitts um coming out there. And like they, they're basically using him as they should have, right? He's not blocking, he's not in line. Uh he really is out there just running routes. Um they're using him as you would an X receiver. Um I guess the other que- the follow up question I have for you is like our fantasy provider is going to change his position to wide receiver because that's technically what he's playing. I think it would be unfair to do that because we you have someone obviously not quite in the same level, but Mike Gesicki is just a wide receiver for the Dolphins. Yep. He doesn't he do, well he doesn't line up inside. He doesn't play in line. He doesn't block. He can't block, but he doesn't. <laughs> but he's, a, he's 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 a tight end. So Kyle Pitts. You know, it's while I don't want to see the position eligibility determined by what meetings they go to during the week, Kyle Pitts goes to the tight end meetings. He just doesn't listen to them because because it doesn't matter. It's not relevant to him. You know, at no point they're going to say, Kyle, you need to do better with the blocking here because he's already asleep in the back. Doesn't need to listen to that. It's a yeah, yeah, great. Thanks for that, coach. Give me a shout when we can leave. He's a tight end because that's what, you know, and ultimately, He'll be a tight end, and the Falcons will claim he's a tight end right up to the point when he says, no, I'm a wide receiver, and I want a wide receiver contract, and they'll keep reminding him that he's a tight end. Um, yeah, speaking of Mike Kosicki, since you brought it up, this is uh, we got Neil on, we got to talk tight ends. Um, he had like one of his better games this season, eight targets, seven catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Um you know, he's actually had a few games this season where he's starting to look like what we expected him to turn into eventually. Um, you know, it's taken a while to get here, but are we ready to are we ready to say, okay, yeah, Gasicki is actually breaking out. He's about to ascend to the elite level. Well, the big knock on Gasicki coming into this season and also for points of this season was that you look at the numbers that he was putting up when it was Fitzpatrick at quarterback to when Tua came in, and the drop was huge. Now, mm. you know, go again, this season, the splits between Tua playing and Jacoby Brissett playing were marked. Now, obviously, Jacoby Brissett is not Ryan Fitzpatrick, nor is he Tua. But the last two games, we have seen, whether it's a, an offensive emphasis or whether it's Tua himself, he has fed Mike Gusecki. Now, obviously, there's no Devontae Parker. There's been no Will Fuller. 
So pretty much in the receiving game, it's Mike Gusecki and Jalen Waddle. And Waddle is, you know, getting his four yards a target, whatever it is, whereas Gusecki is making plays downfield. So I don't think it's the most efficient quarterback tight end link up in the NFL, but as long as long as they're getting volume, who cares? Efficiency can go take a run and jump as long as someone's getting 10 plus targets a game. So it's an interesting one with Gusecki as well because he's in a contract year and obviously the Dolphins drafted Hunter Long. And no, he's hardly yeah. he's hardly seeing the field because they've decided if he's going to be a rookie tight end, they very rarely do anything. So let's not even bother. He can sit and watch <laughs> Gusecki do it and then they'll let Gusecki walk and go and do something else elsewhere. And then maybe Hunter Long will be the guy. But I don't know how much we can put, how much stock we can put into the Dolphins' offensive philosophy moving forward because we still don't know who's going to be the quarterback a week from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Um, I I still think Tua has been pretty good since returning from injuries. So I think that they're kind of pot committed here. Uh, he did, he looked he looked good today, but again, it is a Falcons, but they mm-hmm. also lost. Yeah, right. he 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 has the almost Kirk Cousins like ability to to look great for long stretches. Yeah. But then he'll make that type that one throw that the entire free footballing world will look at each other and go, "What the hell was that?" You know, he's got that ability to just throw yeah. the most mind numbing interceptions. And he had a you know a belter today. He was falling over and thought, "Hmm, sacks aren't that good." But you know what's even worse? what I'm about to do and then throw an interception <laughs> that. Yeah. I, I, I remember that one. Yeah. 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 That was uh, that, that, that was quite a play. If you guys can go find it, I, I highly recommend that you go watch it. Cause it, it really was that set, it set the tone for, Oh, they're going to lose this game. They're going to be competitive, <laughs> but they're going, you, you could see the future of the fins. It was the first, the first interception he threw, right? Hmm. Yep, yep. At the end of the around the end of the first half, where he was just, yeah, it's, he set the tone there. Yeah, he must have meant to do it. The only thing was, there's no way that that was there, a, a small mistake. That was there. I'm going to throw an interception now, and then the second half. Hey, guess what? I'm going to do it again. It's like, no, please don't. <laughs> yeah, it, it it it's been it's been interesting. I mean, like, because that receiving core is pretty good. Jalen Waddle is very good um you know who would have guessed right um this defensive unit like you said was supposed to be good uh fraudulent uh is is a a word that is uh not strong enough i think for what for what this defensive unit is um another rookie wide receiver i did want to talk just a little bit about from the prior game was Rashad Bateman who you know he had six targets today he caught three of them for 80 yards um you know, I mean, this is this is a guy who a lot of fantasy Twitter was very big in, uh, big on. They were really excited for him for his prospect profile and everything else. He he's looking really good despite having a not played the entire preseason and most of the season so far. You know, like he's he's out there getting, getting targets. Do you really do you think he's going to start eating a Marquise Brown's workload? Because 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 Hollywood Brown saw fourteen targets today. It's a worry because. Marquise Brown is being used as he should be used now, as in, you know, just run, just be the deep threat. We're still going to look for you because Lamar Jackson, I think, is averaging more air yards per target than anyone not named Derek Carr this season. So they are using Brown properly and effectively. 
So it is more like the underneath stuff. It's Mark Andrews is going to do Mark Andrews things because he's another tight end that, you know, he does a bit of blocking, but let's be honest, he's more a receiver than a blocker. And he's doing very well. He's having a good season himself. But it's that idea of, well, what else have you got? You know, what's the third option? And if the third option is Rashard Bateman, that's great. But the player I can see more them eating into will be Andrews because that's where Bateman is going to make his money. He's, you know, if they decide they want to be a bit more conservative with the passing game, then they will dial back some work for um, Marquis Brown. But when it's it seems to be working well, I don't know why they do that. Now, the problem we have there with with the Ravens, even if they are being a bit more pass happy this season than they have been in previous years, is that we know that that's not what they want to be. They what they're passing the ball this year because they have to because you know they're they're running out running backs that have got about as much burst as I have at the moment and you know I've got I've got shot I've got a left knee that has no business helping me stand up my back hurts I've always got a headache but I've got as much burst as Devonta Freeman or Latavius Murray have at this stage of the game so it's one of those that from a from a like a long term point of view next season when it is Brown on one side. Bateman on the other, Andrews in the middle. That's your three. You know, it's a question of yeah. are they going to get enough work that one of them becomes a superstar? One, you know, the tight end, is he still going to be a tight end one? Or do we know they're going to go back to want to run the ball 35, 40 times a game and pass it 20 to 25? And if that's the case, then the most bankable option of that will be probably Andrews because he gets the red zone targets, whereas the boom bust volatile player will be Marquise Brown. So Bateman is a player, as you say, a lot of people liked before the draft, and you know, I, I was one of them, and I absolutely despise his landing spot with the intensity of a thousand suns. <laughs> I, I do have another tight end question for you, Neil. Here with with Mark Andrews. So, and it's going to be a hot take. So, so just to just keep warned. When do we start ranking Mark Andrews as potentially either the TE one or the TE two? Right, like where where is he for you in your dynasty ranks? Well, if you actually look before the games today, he had the exact same number of receiving yards as Travis Kelsey. It was yeah. just the fact that he had one few touch one fewer touchdown than Kelsey. If the Chiefs are into you know the death spiral from hell, then that number one tight end spot is not Travis Kelsey's by right anymore, and. We saw Darren Waller had you know 19 targets in week one. That scaled down a bit. Obviously, he missed the game today. George Kittle actually averages more fantasy points over the last two seasons than he did the three seasons prior. The problem being he's he doesn't play. He's, he's never healthy anymore. So then you start looking, well, is it Dallas Goddard? Well, I don't know because we still don't know if we, where he's going to be next year because the Eagles decided that they would rather fanny around with his contract and Zach Ertz's rather than actually nail down Goddard. TJ Hawkinson, I like him. He, he gets a lot of volume. Noah Fant is another player. So there's going to be a lot of change at the spot. I say, but this is still contingent on the fact that Travis Kelsey has got to start dropping off eventually because the production he's putting up is historic. So Andrews is a player that, you know, assuming he's going to be there for a long time, which he is, he signed the big contract a few weeks ago. We know the Ravens are going to want to lock up uh, Lamar Jackson for a long period of time. They have that chemistry. It's the thing as well that Andrews didn't do it last season, but does seem to have done it for the majority of his career. He does score touchdowns, and yeah. ultimately, that's all we want from it. You know, if a touch, if a, if a tight end has one catch 
for six yards every week, but that one catches a touchdown, there's a good chance he's a tight end one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you can catch five passes for 70, 80 yards and a touchdown, you're going to be worth your weight in gold. And yep. that's something that Mark Andrews does seem to be approaching this year, although the worry is that next year when they run the ball more, that value might drop again. Yeah, Blair, what are your thoughts? Because I know you I know you do some of the the, the dynasty ranks over at Rotoviz. I want to know where your where your head's at on this. I mean, you know, after this week, I think it's hard not to look at your dynasty rankings and say, why don't I have Kyle Pitts as the tight end one? Um uh-huh. so, so uh yeah, I like Mark Andrews. Um I think that, you know, Neil's point about Bateman possibly eating into his work is, is something that is a little concerning, but um, yeah, for sure. I think it's, I think you gotta go, you gotta go pits all the way. And, <laughs> and, and just while we're on the, on the topic of hot takes and dynasty rankings, I wanted to talk about possibly revaluing DeAndre Swift. Um, he, you know, he carried the ball 13 times today for 48 yards and no scores, but he led the team in targets and he caught eight of those for 96 yards in a score. Neil, like, are we to the point where DeAndre Swift enters the conversation as a top three running back? Like, I'm talking CMC, Alvin Kamara, possibly, you know, Saquon, but we've got to figure out where, you know, Dalvin, but we got to find where Swift really has to be here because he should be a top three guy, in my opinion. Well, talent wise, we know he should have been. It should have been, you know, last year, the rookies that the running backs were taking, it should have been Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, you know, J.K. Dobbins, and somewhere later, 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 you take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was bolstered by his college production of catching the ball in a historic offense. He was nowhere near the talent that, you know, that DeAndre Swift was. And while we ideally want our running backs probably to play on good teams, if they're going to catch all their passes, then they can play on the worst teams in Christendom, for all I care. And DeAndre <laughs> Swift, you know, at the sense, you know, at the, at the end of the day, if he's going to be seeing nearly ten targets a game, which if Jared Goff is his quarterback, there's a good chance he's going to. Then absolutely, you know, I mean, if you, you know, if you had, you know, the first a pick in the first four of your draft this year, and you took. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, or Alvin Kamara. Chances are you despise yourself and hate all life at the moment because of what Derrick Henry's done and what those three players didn't do. Whereas, you know, if you waited till the second round or, God forbid, the early third and got DeAndre Swift, well, you're absolutely laughing. So I don't think you're going to be able to get him that late next year because whoever the quarterback is, whatever the situation, we know they want to run the ball but we know that when they when things go wrong and they can't, they feed him in the passing game. So, yeah. you know, he's 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 a very special player in a far from ideal situation in his own career. But stuff him. We don't care about that. We want to catch the ball, and that's what he's going to do. Yeah, I'm curious. Where do you think he might end up going next year in uh, in redraft leagues? Do you think he could be a top five pick? <sighs> yeah, that's a tough one. Because, you know, obviously in PPR, he's going to be in the conversation, yeah. I think. As yeah. long as, you know, we don't see something stupid like the Lions trading for Deshaun Watson or something like that. <laughs> um, someone, you know, historically doesn't check down to running backs. Whereas if it's Jared Goff still, and Goff didn't play badly today, he did He did the Hippocratic oath of all quarterbacks, you know, do no harm until right at the end when he tried to make a play, <laughs> forced it and threw an interception. 
So if it's still Jared Goff next year, then you'd have to say, well, what don't you like? I mean, Jamal yeah. Williams is good. I like Jamal Williams. He's a lovely fella. Always comes across well in his press conferences and whatnot. He's not as talented as the boy Swift. So if if Goff's there, Swift's going to be there. They're still going to be bad next year. Then he's going to be he's going to be in the conversation to be in those early running backs, especially when people are going to have player fatigue regarding CMC and Dalvin Cook. You know, these people are oh, they did nothing for me last year. Stuff them. Don't want them anymore. What's Derek the new thing? Derrick Henry, yeah. He'll get written off again, but we keep doing this and he keeps making this look stupid. Um, so when people get bored of these established players and think, oh, what's the new shiny, shiny, then he will get drafted a lot earlier than he did this year. Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I think that from a dynasty perspective, he's got to be up there, right? Like, like I might... Like, you might have to consider him... I've always thought his skill, skill set is very comparable to that of Dalvin Cook's. Um, they just sort of seem to be like to me they're the same player uh, who are both I think like 99.5% of like who CMC is right so which is why I've always just sort of laughed at these like bizarro trades for CMC when it's like well you know you can get a very similar skill set not as expensive like what are you people doing mm-hmm. right um, the differences here is uh, like you were saying I think I think the, the I mean the cat's way out of the bag on 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 Swift next season. It's now it's figuring out who the next uh, in market inefficiency is, right? And I don't think people are going to make the same mistake they did with Antonio Gibson this time around. Like uh, like like next season, he might be the, the the value guy that you want to pick up in the late third, early fourth as we go through it. Yeah, what Possible. did he do today? Not great. He's been through a stress fracture in his shin. Right. I think as well he fourteen carries. Yeah, I think Antonio Gibson suffered as well because the the Washington red zone offense was um, it was like a Mister Bean cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the sense that whatever could go wrong went wrong, but the watching public knew it was going to go wrong and was just waiting for it to happen. It was <laughs> it, it was it, it was. I mean, speaking as someone who you know spends you know does a podcast every week with a Washington fan. It was one of the funniest things I've seen all year. But as someone who has Antonio Gibson in a number of leagues, it was highly, highly frustrating. But then I remembered that, you know, my dedication to comedy is greater than that of <laughs> to fancy football. So I was happy to see it. <laughs> um, McKissick got six targets to uh, Gibson's two. Are you worried that McKissick will like hurt Gibson's long-term value beyond just this game, assuming, you know, Gibson gets over this stress factor fracture and is healthy. Does he still have that, uh, you know, that thorn in his side? I think McKissick's not going away because he's mm-hmm. made himself ridiculously valuable with the skill set that he has. And he's, you know, he's probably one of these yeah. people, you know, that the coaches love him. You know, they're just absolutely fantastic. You know, they always love him around. They'll always find a role for him. We, want Antonio Gibson to catch the ball because he was a wide receiver in college. So he automatically assumed, oh, he can catch the ball. Yeah, but that assumes rational coaching. And Washington <laughs> is not a franchise we assume rationality with in any regard. So he's always gonna I think he's always gonna be there or Washington will try and find another one like him rather than make Gibson the the three down bell cow that we all want him to be. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I mean, 
I mean, I, I just remember like last season when Ron Rivera was saying uh, Gibson's like got a CMC level skill set and and Gibson gets hurt and then they're like going to move her to J.D. McKissick and Ron Rivera's like, you know who else has a CMC like skill set? Guess what, guys? It's J.D. McKissick. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. He just like feeds him in the in the passing game. Um, well, to, be, to be fair, when he said he had a CMC skill set, he didn't say in what sport. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is it, it, it's true. I, you can go back and see the, and 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 read his comments. It's just I don't know. It's just uh, it's just interesting. I, I did want to end on one guy that here that we I really wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, so so people very prematurely victory lapped this uh, Sam Darnold uh, first three weeks of the season. They were um, they t- they they took their pants off and really sort of had the dance off way too early. Blew their wad way too early here. He was benched today in the fourth quarter of the Panthers' Week Seven game against the Giants. Uh, I think we found the first player to not get better after leading leaving Adam Gase in in Sam Darnold. Neil, like, do you think PJ Walker is going to see more work going forward, or are they going back to Darnold? Like, what do you think goes on with this offense and? Where where do they go from here? I mean, this is just, just sad. Well, you know, hashtag Gase was innocent. Um, <laughs> they 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 have announced that that the the phrasing was that Sam Darnold is our quarterback moving forward, but as they're moving backward, they they should probably look somewhere else. Now, I would imagine <laughs> that they'll be one of the teams probably on the phone to the Texans this week, you know, regarding. Um, their troubled quarterback, um, but if they don't get him, or you know, which is because Deshaun Watson has to okay every trade because he does have that no trade clause. He wants to go to Miami, so everyone else they're going to have to match what Miami will offer them if that's assume what Texans want, and then Deshaun Watson is going to have to want to agree to go there. So I think PJ Walker showed enough last year that he could be a competent two, three week starter in the NFL. He's not someone you want to be putting the faith of your offense on, you know, that, that you don't want to be building your offense around him. So Sam Donald looked awful today. Yeah. He looked awful last week and he looked awful against the Eagles. In the three games they won at the start of the season, he looked okay, but still had a mistake in him. Over the last few weeks, the okay is gone and the mistakes are getting more and more regular because this is who he is. Yep. You know, Adam Gase was not a good head coach, never has been, wasn't a great offensive coordinator, only has been when his head when his quarterback was Peyton Manning. That's hard to do. <laughs> but he was not totally to, uh, to blame for Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold is not a great quarterback and never has been and never will be. And on that note, we'll call it a night. Uh, thanks so much, Neil, for joining us. Uh, what do you got going on this season? Um, I say I write the tight end report uh, weekly for Rotoviz. That's my labour of love to the uh, position. I do a Super Bowl odds tracking uh, article every week for Number Fire, um, and also, excuse me, I do the scouting reports for the LA Chargers for Four for Four Football. And also, you can find me on the at waxing uh, the waxing lyrical with Mains and Dutch podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at endutton thirteen if you like really really random boring jokes <laughs> all right Busy there man. you go yeah indeed thanks so much again for joining us um 
please remember to rate and review the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, thumbs up on the video, whatever. I don't know how YouTube works, really. Um, In any case, for Hassan, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for tuning in.